This is What's with Washington, where you ask the questions about our region, about the place we live, about your neighborhood, Anacostia, Prince George's County, Pentagon City, Woodley Park, Columbia Heights, and WAMU Answers. I'm a second generation Washingtonian. Ward 5. This is What's with Washington. I'm Michaela LaFrac. This episode, we are talking jazz. Today, I'm joined by Sasha Ann Simons, WAMU's race and identity reporter. Hey, Sasha. Hi, Michaela. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. So, Sasha, who asked this week's question? So this week, uh, our question came from Kira Lasko. She is a new resident to the region. She actually just moved here from Pennsylvania. Beautiful Pennsylvania. And she lives in Damascus, Maryland. Okay. So I actually uh, listen to jazz music all the time. I grew up listening to Duke Ellington, and my parents are huge Duke Ellington fans. And I actually didn't realize that he was from D.C. until I moved here. And um, it kind of just struck me one morning when I was listening to the radio. I was like, oh, I wonder if anybody has ever researched if jazz is still a prominent thing in D.C. I love her. She is so informed. She was She's so, so cool. excited about getting to know the district. But I totally understood where she was coming from. We actually went on a, a long tangent about the fact that, you know, I'm also new here. She, I mean, she's been here for six months. I've been here for just about two years. Where did you move here from? So I moved here from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised in Toronto. I spent more than two decades there. I was born in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my roots come from. And I, when I got here, I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find, you know, having a Caribbean background. I wanted certain foods and I wanted to find, you know, mm-hmm. certain supermarkets. So that I could cook certain foods. And I was like, where is everything? Where is the right, West Right, you don't know who to ask yet. No one to ask. And so you just, you turn to the internet. We use technology to try to find these things, but you're not making connections with people. You're not talking. So you're not finding where that true culture is. So her question? Duke Ellington, a largely known jazz artist, is from this area. I wonder if D.C. jazz culture is still alive and well after birthing one of the greatest jazz artists of all time. Are there still jazz clubs where up-and-coming artists perform? I had no idea where to start. Just when I set out to do this project, I was like, okay, I'm going to find these like smoky (laughs) nightclubs. It's going to be like, you know, smoke in the air, saxophones, trombones. It was just going to be sexy. Duke Silver comes on stage with the spotlight and the pork pie hat. A smooth and silky evening to you all. On nights like this when the cold winds blow and the air is awash in the swirling eddies of our dreams, come with me. But, you know, what was really interesting was that Kira was focusing more on up-and-coming artists and where they could perform. And so I thought the first place I was going to start was the D.C. Jazz Fest. I got an interview with the executive director, who was awesome, by the way. I love her name, too, Sunny Sumter. Well, we want to say that in D.C., we're one of, first of all, one of the biggest jazz festivals in the world right now. And we happen to be in the nation's capital. So that's a big deal. She talked extensively about uh, an artistic director that she works with, mm-hmm. whose job it is to solely just like travel around the world and find, you know, all this talent. That and, and what she also emphasized was that he actually doesn't even have to go to all of these people. A lot of people are opting to come here to D.C. D.C. Mm-hmm. is like a hot place where people are like, you know what, like I haven't played in a jazz venue until I've played D.C. And I'm like, wow, nice. that's pretty impressive. This is already making me feel good. Yeah. I feel like people don't say D.C. is cool enough. 
I would definitely tell you to come to Blues Alley because it's our institution. It's our jazz inst- club in D.C. I would say that bar none. Can I tell you something very important yes, about absolutely. myself? Yes. I have actually, I've played at Blues Alley. What? I've played the, the jazz saxophone. You, Michaela LaFrac, have played have. at Blues Alley? <laughs> what? I know. With my high school jazz band. Uh, oh, shout so cool. out George Sunday School Hoppers. Oh, my God, girl. I know. Yes. I know. I was second alto. So I did not go there, but that <laughs> cool. sounds amazing. <laughs> I went to something that was a much more stripped down vibe. Okay. I, I went to Rhizome. Mm-hmm. It happened to be a two story house okay. in Tacoma. So it's an art center. It's got on the second level, it's got lots of arts exhibits to look at, mm-hmm. um, even some private rooms where you can like play music. But downstairs in the living room, musicians headline concerts there basically oh, cool. every single week. Please put your hands together and welcome. It was so cute. I swear there were like eight or nine little kids sitting there with little earplugs, you know, because they were like going to be the closest to the speakers. And then all the overflow of people, we kind of lined the staircase. And so we were just sort of like in a single file along the staircase and in the kitchen. At one point, I was next to the fridge. Okay, listening. <laughs> this is like a real house show. It was a real house show. But this sounds great. This sounds like exactly what Kira was looking for, this like sense of community yes, that's exactly. focused around jazz. Some people you could tell they knew each other. Some people were new, but they felt comfortable within like the first five minutes. So I really loved that setting. I also listened to jazz at a church. Hi, how are you tonight? I'm fabulous. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Are we still $5? Yes, we are. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. Westminster Church Mm -hmm. uh, in D.C., they, on Fridays, they put on this jazz and fish fry. Jazz is just such a wonderful thing. I mean, it's a powerful art form. It's it's innovative. It's it's participatory. It's democratic. You know, it it has all the good stuff to it, you know. So that was one of the co-pastors. His name is Brian Hamilton. He co-pastors with his wife, Ruth. And yeah, and so he talked a bit about like, you know, why they started this whole jazz Friday night in the first place. Urban renewal was uh, devastating. Uh, Most of the churches that were located in Old Southwest left. Those that stayed really struggled because uh, if you had members who lived in the neighborhood, as Westminster did, they all were forced out with eminent domain like everybody else. The church at the time was also just known for having like, you know, more, you know, multicultural congregation, as well as a lot of like the gay lesbian population. So they were already doing things differently. So that was another reason why we started this. We really wanted to bring some artistic and cultural energy back into the community. Just 20 years ago, actually their 20th anniversary was in January of this year, the co-pastors started this Friday night, you know, six to nine, three hours. They bring in all kinds of musicians. So again, the up and coming and as well as the more established, mm-hmm. they brought in, you know, the Howard uh, Howard University band. Um, the night that I went, it was Marshall Keys and his band. Cool. 
but you listen to jazz upstairs. You know, you fill the seats. They get about 150, 200 people every Friday night. Wow. Downstairs. That's legit. Yeah, it's a lot of people. And then downstairs, there's a cafeteria where they can buy, like, fried fish and coleslaw and mac and cheese. And it's, like, that sounds so fun. super homey. Like, everyone gets a tray, puts their food on a tray. And then when the music starts, you can, like, lift your tray, bring it back upstairs to your seat and, like, rock out to jazz music. I, I loved it. Um, Rod Trent, he stands out. He was one guy, one gentleman that was there super early. Okay, speaking of amazing names. Jazz touches a soul. And, and depending on the mood you're in, it, it reaches in and it, it calms you. Whatever is going on in your life is temporarily discontinued until you're done with the jazz, of course. You go back to it. So Rod, I met early in the evening. He showed up super early. He traveled all the way from Stafford, Virginia. Oh, wow. And he says he does this every week. He leaves at 4 o'clock, and he gets to the venue by 5.30. Uh, I was introduced by a friend uh, who I met actually during the Million Man March. And we kept in touch over the years. And she told me about this venue. And uh, we'd gone to see Marion Meadows over at Blues Alley. Well, he performed here also. The Blues Alley was $80. Over here it was 5 Same show. It was just a great vibe. That's great. So would this be somewhere that you would recommend our question asker, Kira, head over to? I would recommend that Kira definitely checks out Westminster Jazz. Yeah. After my conversation with Sasha, I just happened to be reporting another story about jazz in D.C. that took me down a history rabbit hole. That's next. Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday. May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern, I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. What's your question about the Washington region? We want to know. Go to wamu.org slash what's with or give us a call 202-885-7250. We'll choose our future episodes from the questions you send in. Send us your questions. The What's With Washington podcast is all about finding answers to the questions that matter to you. I'm Daisy Rosario, managing producer of podcasts here at WAMU, and it's your support that makes this show possible. Become a member today at WAMU.org, and thank you. Now, there's no way we can cover all of the history of jazz in D.C., but Anna Chalenza, a Georgetown professor who teaches music history, shared some unexpected information with me. We start with Duke Ellington. He really made it big when he moved to New York, but he was born here, and D.C.'s music scene is where he started making a name for himself. He was an up-and-comer, and those are exactly the kinds of musicians that Kira was looking for. So real quick, Duke Ellington was born Edward Kennedy Ellington in 1899. He earned his nickname here in D.C. His childhood friends thought his behavior was very gentlemanly, so they started calling him Duke. At 17, he turns down the scholarship at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn to become a professional pianist. And he spent the next seven years or so performing all around D.C. at our local music venues. But in those years just after he went pro, it was a pretty tough period here. Imagine he's 19 years old, and this was 
the summer that they often refer to as the Red Summer. While there was a large African-American population here, it still was a very hostile environment in a lot of ways. And uh, there were a lot of race riots in the South. There were a lot of lynchings. This happens after World War I. A lot of African-Americans who had fought in the war as U.S. soldiers, they came back, and they were not warmly welcomed as veterans. So there was, there was a lot of upheaval. Duke Ellington was here during that time. He's seen the riots and turmoil happen. And so many, like Duke Ellington, chose to find somewhere else to follow their, their trade. And so he goes to Harlem. A lot of other black intellectuals were moving from D.C. to join what would become the Harlem Renaissance. Many of those people had come from D.C. They had been in D.C. first. To be fair, New York was also the home of the recording industry. So if he really wanted to get big, the move had to happen. And as soon as Duke moves up, he establishes himself and becomes part of the whole Harlem Renaissance scene. Now remember, even though Ellington was this huge success, he and other black musicians still had to perform in segregated venues. For example, in 1932, he played at the Earl Theater. We now know it as the Warner. And he was playing for a whites-only audience. But there was a place he could play where segregation wasn't an issue, the Turkish embassy. And what is so important about the Turkish embassy is that it was a safe space. And by that I mean it was outside of the jurisdiction of the United States. In essence, it was Turkey. The Turkish embassy was this little magical piece of foreign soil where the norms were a little different. So the ambassador who moved here in 1935 had these two sons, and they were obsessed with jazz. It was dance music. It was the music of the youth. They visited local clubs, and a lot of times they were the only white kids there. So they start inviting their favorite musicians, black and white, to come and have lunch at the embassy. And those lunches would turn into jam sessions. So what they were doing in inviting these African-American, or were mostly African-American musicians, into their home, along with white musicians, and saying, here is a safe space where you can perform together, and the color of your skin doesn't matter, that had a huge impact. I've always known how many embassies and diplomats are here in Washington, but I had no idea how much their presence affected our local music scene. And while music has obviously changed and expanded and diversified a lot since that time, our live music scene is still going strong. Anna says this is because we have what she calls a ladder of venues. You have to have something more than the venue that seats 2,000. You have to have very small that maybe seat 100 and then maybe 250 and then maybe 500. You have to have a ladder so that people who are first beginning that are playing in maybe, you know, open mic nights and stand-up shows, that they have the next step to go. You can't go from open mic night to the 2000 seater. DC has always been really, really good at that, actually. You know, we have everything from the Black Cat and the 930 Club to new venues like the Anthem. But without those little venues, Beginning performers have nowhere to develop a following. So to find those smaller shows, like what our question asker Kira is looking for, you have to know who to ask and kind of be in the scene, know where to look. And that can be really hard if you just move to the area like she did. 
But it's also, to be honest, kind of hard for people who have been here a while, too. I struggle with this. And Anna told me she's doing a music census so she and the city can learn more about the working musicians in our area. After I'd learned so much from Anna, I decided to wrap things up by taking Sasha on our own little adventure. Is this where you're planning to hide my body? Yes. When you're all done? In this U.S. post office. <laughs> We're very close. Do you have any hints? Do you, any I visual cues? I'm seeing an American flag. And what does it say above the post uh, right office? Right above the post office. Oh, Duke Ellington. We've made it. We've made it. Cool. So do you know where we are? No, I don't. <laughs> but I do see that... I'm looking at his head right here on the side of the building. Yeah, so we are uh, close to DuPont Circle at a U.S. post office, and this building was where Duke Ellington was born in 1899. Oh, this is super cool. Yeah. I mean, I've always heard of his, his time living in the Shaw neighborhood. I didn't know about this building. Yeah, so he lived in places all over D.C., and he also performed in a lot of places that are really close by here. We're really close to Embassy Row, where he used to play concerts, like the Turkish Embassy. We're also just about a mile away from U Street and the Howard Theater and right. other big places that, you know, Super he used to cool. play. And How close are we to Georgetown? Uh, also a little less than a mile. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. So, so this is like, a, I feel like there's a lot of Duke Ellington history and DC jazz history that we kind of know about and hear about, but um, it's really all around us. And can I just say how cool it is that his name is still slapped on the side of this building? Like That is the best part. Thank you so much, Kira, for asking this question. And uh, it led Sasha and I on this really fascinating and fun path. And hopefully other folks will follow it as well. Yeah. Let's go get a drink. All right. <laughs> This show is produced by Daisy Rosario, Ponce Rutch, and me, Michaela LaFrac. Original music and sound mixing by Ben Privet. WAMU's general manager is JJ Yore. Andy McDaniel oversees all content. Jeffrey Katz is our news director. Want to learn more about the people and places you heard about in this episode? Head to wamu.org slash what's with to get all the details. While you're there, browse around. Our newsroom has answered a ton of questions from locals and newcomers, and the answers are all there. That's wamu.org slash what's with. New episodes of What's With Washington drop every Tuesday. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Michaela LaFrac. See you next time.